0: You're listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Farmers' markets throughout Michigan could soon lose their ability to accept payment from Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP benefits, more commonly known as food stamps. SNAP benefits have been used at Michigan's farmers' markets to make fresh produce and meat and baked goods, healthy foods, available to low income people and families. Uh, so that they are not relying exclusively on party stores or other places that sell processed food. But the USDA canceled its contract with the company that provided the software that many farm markets use to accept SNAP payment. And the new company is yet to create replacement software. So that leaves farm markets in a bind and threatens access to fresh food for a lot of people here uh, in Detroit, as well as poor people around America. Here to talk about the outlook for many farmers' markets is Dan Carmody. He is the president of the Eastern Market Corporation here in Detroit. Dan, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, it's good to be here. It's great to see you. All right, let's talk about what is happening with SNAP assistance at farm markets around Detroit.
1: Well, there's been a national issue with Decertification certification of one of the electronic uh, uh, transaction recording systems has mm-hmm. been decertified, and the new system that's been certified has been slow to uh, uh, pick up the, the pace. So there could be some time when uh, some neighborhood markets, some markets uh, around the suburbs uh, that do accept SNAP benefits will be without service and won't be able to uh, issue SNAP benefits does not, does not repeat, affect Eastern Market. We have used a different system uh, from the get-go. So the use uh, of SNAP benefits at Eastern Market will be unaffected by the, the change uh, in suppliers to uh, one particular segment of farmer's markets. And apparently it's about 40% of the farmer's markets in the country. That that use this other software, Correct.
0: and is this just a glitch that they will get worked out at some point, or is this a change that would it was expected? It the... was a
1: contract that expired, and a new company was selected, and it was a breakdown in the bureaucracy, and and whoever for whatever reason, whoever they selected, did not ramp up quickly enough to to provide seamless transaction. Yeah, uh, talk
0: about how Snap works at farm markets, farmers mm-hmm. markets, and how important that is. To access to fresh food. That is the yeah. thing that uh, that you I think is at stake know,
1: here. One of our core, you know, our, our vision statement is to leverage the 125 years of the market's rich history to make a to help nourish a Detroit that's healthier, wealthier, and happier. And eating a better diet is probably the most important thing we can do in terms of reducing national health care expenses. So mm-hmm. um, it, we didn't get into a the obesity and, and type 2 diabetes epidemics we have overnight, we're not likely to get away from them overnight. Mm-hmm. But, but SNAP helped reduce the price of fresh fruits and vegetables uh, at farmers markets, uh, along with a number of other alternative currencies that we offer. Because diet is, is income related. Mm-hmm. We, we do know mm-hmm. that the top 20% of Americans, income-wise, consume— their households consume seven times the amount of fresh fruits and vegetables that those in the bottom wow. quintile do. And it's not—quite frankly, it's not because people at the top eat too many vegetables. It's Nobody's eating enough vegetables, <laughs> but particularly <laughs> right. people with low incomes. Um, we subsidize corn and soy. You see it you know, with the president's uh, recent uh, effort to subsidize corn and soy producers in wake of tariffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason we have inexpensive prepared foods is because— corn and soy as the feedstock to those. And, and we have made the choice publicly to subsidize those. And there's right. nothing. Not, Low-cost food is not a bad thing, but if we're not getting enough uh, fresh food, um, we're not taking advantage of the, the, the nutrition that nature provides. Yeah.
0: Uh, and there has been some effort to sort of align the goals of SNAP food assistance programs with, uh, you know, the availability of fresh food. So like double up food bucks, uh, which allows you, if you're on SNAP, uh, to, to buy twice as much food for the for the price uh, at farm markets.
1: Yeah, we were, we were proud to work with uh, Fair Food Network uh, in a pilot in 2009 that has grown up and become f- Double Up Food Bucks. It's now, I think, offered in 20 states around the country where private support helps double SNAP benefits for people with the proviso that they buy locally grown fruits and vegetables. So mm-hmm. it actually helps local agriculture at the same time that it helps people... Uh, with affordable, uh, even more affordable fruit and vegetable purchases. We've been lately expanding a program we call prescription drug benefit is where we work with healthcare providers for doctors treating diseases that where food is an important part of the medicine that they actually write prescriptions to patients who need more fruits and vegetables in their diets Mm -hmm. and we operate in the summertime. 25 pop-up stands around Town, including a lot of health clinics where doctors write the prescription and the patient can come out and immediately redeem the $10 or $20 certificate for fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So all of these things, I mean, food access is kind of, you know, Detroit's a city which has much better grocery stores today than it did five years ago, but there's still large parts of the city where people are too reliant on the corner store that has mostly prepared foods and and not a healthy selection of fruits and vegetables, yeah uh,
0: and that change in the availability of grocery stores is one thing, but but also, I, I feel like not a lot of people understand just how uh, robust the farmers' market uh, right. culture and and community is here in in Detroit. It's not just Eastern market. Yeah. There's a lot of Neighborhood yeah. markets now.
1: Yeah, we we uh, help uh, with a network called Detroit Community Markets, and there's 14 this year. Besides, uh, we count our Tuesday market as a neighborhood market, but they're everywhere from um, uh, sites at Chass uh, Community Health Center on the mm-hmm. city southwest side southwest. to uh, Grandmont Rosedale in the Northwest Farmers Market to uh, the the one in uh, they're the all over the city and and. Those, some of those will be the ones interrupting in service, and some of those uh, have over the, you know, we've been doing this work out in the neighborhoods for going on 10 years now, and some of them came from sowing seeds, growing communities out on Joy Road, went mm-hmm. from us being the only vendor to now I think they have seven or eight vendors, and it's taken a while, but as the city's coming back, uh, people are using neighborhood farmers markets as a place to meet each other and to build community as well as to access healthier fruits and vegetables. Yeah.
0: Uh, This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Dan Carmody, he's the president of Eastern Market Corporation. We're talking about SNAP food benefits and how uh, they may be interrupted just for a while at some local farm markets because of a change in vendors. We're also talking about the availability of fresh food here in the city of Detroit uh, and the role that the markets play in that. Uh, Dan, uh, every time I'm down in Eastern Market, I'm sort of reminded of how fast that area of the city is changing, and how much you guys are doing—it's uh, uh, one of the—it's one of the really bright spots, I think, uh, in Detroit's revitalization. And the other thing that I always noticed that I love about Eastern Market is how inclusive. It is. I mean, you see people uh, of all stripes from all kinds of places uh, there, especially Saturday morning, obviously. But, but any day of the week now, it's, right. it's much busier, and people are finding reasons to come down.
1: Well, we think there are three core DNA that make Easter Market special. One is that we still remain a genuine place where food is made and processed mm-hmm. and distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a place that uh, has been the champion of independent small businesses. And lastly, that point you hit on, we're a place that everybody uh, feels welcomed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those are the three DNA that we will go to the grave defending. Because for 10 years, I would say the work of our organization could be equated to that of a paramedic trying to get a better pulse and so sort pumping of right. the heart. <laughs> right. But in, in 2015, we saw the investment wave in real estate that's coming to Detroit, and we knew that it eventually it would get to Eastern Market. And so for the next 10 years, our metaphor is more of a traffic cop, where we're trying to <laughs> slow people down and make sure that the projects they propose, which we desperately need, we need the reinvestment. There's sure. no doubt about that. But how do we do it in a way that those virtues that I just identified are not displaced? Yeah. And that consumes our every ounce of our being. Uh, we have six major projects coming at Easter. I was Microsoft. gonna say
0: you're doing some, and you're doing some big
1: building right. right now, right? You know, our first, the strategy we came up with to, was two part. One is to keep the larger food businesses that have kind of accreted to the neighborhood around Easter Market over the last 125 years, Mm -hmm. we had to find more vacant land near the market because the larger companies are, most, many of them are landlocked. And if they want to, if we want to keep 1500 food sector processing and distribution jobs in the city, we had to find room for expanding firms. Yeah. So we're at the table with the city of Detroit and A whole bunch of new neighbors to the area east and northeast of the current market district looking at how we might expand the neighborhood by incorporating stormwater management in a way that ends up with a neighborhood where people want to live close to where people can work in food processing and distribution. Mm -hmm. We think it's a really exciting design challenge, and we think that American zoning, which has kind of prohibited this kind of thought process, uh, needs to be informed by some experiences from around the world where that kind of urban development hasn't all gone out of style. Yeah, yeah. That leaves the kind of historic district, and many of those old buildings aren't suitable because of increasingly stringent food safety laws. What do we do with them? Well, in other markets around the country, and I might add, we have the true benefit of going last because nearly all of our peers in New York and Chicago or Washington, D.C. are gone. They used to be like us. Now they're just another really upscale urban mixed-use neighborhood. Hmm. And if we want to keep Eastern Market, we got to defend it. And the first measure is making sure that we keep about 20 to 25% of commercial space off the market so that we can actually help control or direct tenant mix to include goods and services that low- and moderate-income residents need, not just let the market dictate that it'll be a fancy restaurant right. for more affluent customers. Yeah. So we have done our first deal with a company that has bought – a former vertical cold storage facility that is completely obsolete will never be used. A seven-story building which will never be used again for food cold storage. Mm-hmm. They want to convert that into a mix of commercial and uh, retail uses. Um, we've long we invested in their project to secure 20 years of, of a set of five buildings adjacent to the the high rise, which are single-story buildings that we are going to make available for. F- For emerging food companies at between seven and nine dollars a square foot, which are prices that kind of the market currently commands, Mm -hmm. but not the eighteen to twenty-eight dollars square foot rents where the neighborhood is going. Right, right. And so we're we're not waiting for this wave to hit us. We're actually trying to imagine interventions that can can anticipate the market and create the tools to make sure that we can. Affect the product mix around the market, just like we affect the tenant mix of the vendors in the market. Sure,
0: sure. Uh, give us an idea of uh, sort of back to the SNAP issue of of how prevalent use of SNAP is at some place yeah, like Eastern Market.
1: It is it's it's about five percent of sales overall yeah. at Eastern Market. Uh-huh. It, you know, which is not insignificant. We were alarmed because the the the. The redemptions of, of SNAP benefits declined by about a hundred percent between 2013, when they peaked, in 20 hmm. last year, 2017. Hmm. And we did we hired we did some extensive research, and uh, I know people on the right side of the aisle might be inspired by this. Our percentage of of SNAP benefits stayed the same. It's just that the number of people on SNAP declined as the economy came back. Okay. Okay. So. The bad news is that still far too many SNAP recipients use their benefits at Eastern Market, mm-hmm. we'd like to say. <laughs> but um, the good news is that we have a consistent rate of utilization at farmers' markets right. by people who get food stamps. Yeah. So the work we do you know, around food access isn't just limited to trying to take good food from the wholesale market, Eastern Market, into neighborhoods to get to people who can't get to Eastern Market. It also involves Maintain this wide variety of incentives, including Double Up, including the prescription drug benefit. But at the market and at our outposts, we also are now are doing much more around food nutrition and, and food literacy and education. Sure, sure. Because we got food access problems imply that it's just a supply problem. But if you've gotten used to living uh, with highly processed foods, it's, it's a hard habit to break. Yeah, And yeah. I'm not— I got my own problems with diet. I'm yeah, not, this is not a lecture. Right? This is, <laughs> this ought to be a celebration of, of enjoying better food. Yeah. And, and so you may have seen at the market this summer, we've really um, put our cooking education uh, classes, uh, we've really added to them. We now have a class for grandparents and grandkids. We've got a ki- two classes just for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really trying to have some fun with it because this doesn't need to be a lecture. This needs to be, A group discussion about you know twenty one percent of our gross national product is now healthcare. Yeah, yeah. our next closest competitor I think is the Netherlands at about thirteen or fourteen percent. Wow, not all of it is food related, but a lot of it is Some of it
0: is sure. I mean, and if
1: if you really want to look at interesting data, there's a reason why uh, uh, the Bank of China bought all of Johnson and Johnson's diabetes. uh, companies. Is that right? Because as India and China middle class have adopted the Western diet, we are no longer the world leader in type 2 diabetes. Mm. The, though their percentage is nowhere near as ours, the absolute number of diabetics in India and China blows our population of wow. diabetics way just because of the scale. Wow. wow. So this you know, it's pretty good proof that while we all want the convenience of healthier of, of prepared foods, and that's a trend that's not changing either. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can substitute some healthier prepared foods for some unhealthy prepared foods.
0: Okay. Dan Carmody, president of Eastern Market Corporation. It's always great to sit and talk with you about uh, food issues here in the city of Detroit. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Stephen. Up next, we're going to talk about how food insecurity factors into a cycle of poverty that seems nearly impossible to break. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We'll take your calls next as well. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being with us. This summer, we are reading Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, As a Detroit Today community, as part of our Detroit Today Summer Book Club, we're reading the book and talking about broader issues of housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. That book, Evicted, is about the way in which evictions in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, are a cause of poverty rather than just a symptom of it. We're using that story to broaden the conversation and talk about all kinds of different housing insecurity issues that we face here, not just eviction, but foreclosure, tax foreclosure, squatting, all of the things that we read and hear about that threaten people's stability when it comes to housing. In Evicted, there's a man named Lamar who is left with just $78 a month after he pays $550 for rent. That's $78 that he has to pay for utilities for medicine, for food, for everything. Today we want to talk about that last piece, food, access to food, and the role of feeding oneself and one's family in chronic poverty. Food insecurity is a ugly close cousin of housing insecurity, not just here in metro Detroit, but around the country. And we want to spend the rest of the show talking about food insecurity and food policy here in the city of Detroit, and joining us for that conversation is Winona Bynum, who is the executive director of the Detroit Food Policy Council. Winona, welcome to Detroit today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: So let's let's uh, first talk about uh, that relationship between poverty housing insecurity, and food insecurity. We tend to segregate these things, I think, sometimes and Mm -hmm. talk about them as individual problems, and that's important because there are specific solutions uh, to each that maybe don't apply to the others. But they are all quite related, and I'm always curious to hear from people who work in these spaces about the ways they see those relationships, the way those relationships make themselves really obvious.
2: Well, as you pointed out, they're very connected so if you uh, pay the majority of your uh, income towards housing then that leaves very little for food mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so um, like the example that you talked about if you're trying to feed yourself on 78 dollars a month I mean that is if you took that the <laughs> the entire rest of your um, dollars and and uh, pay for food mm-hmm. that's a almost impossible herculean task mmm um so they're very linked and you see people making impossible decisions um am i going to feed my family am i going to pay my rent am i going to pay for water and and all of those are basic needs and and i would imagine that
0: here in southeast michigan you are seeing that that unfold a, a lot i mean you're seeing it up close uh and the way that poverty drives all of these all of these issues.
2: It's so true. So um, w- I can speak about Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. The Detroit Food Policy Council, along with the health department, did a metrics, uh, food metrics report. Um, we published it last year. One of the metrics that came out was that about 40 percent of households in Detroit rely on SNAP benefits, mm-hmm. which was uh, formerly called food stamps. Yes. Um, whereas most many of us would uh, really think that that's a small amount because it only provides about a dollar forty a day. Per person wow. uh, on average. Um, it's still 40% of households rely on that. And mm-hmm. when that translates into dollars in the city of Detroit, about $350 million a year is redeemed in those SNAP benefits. So that's a huge portion of people feeding themselves and their families. Yeah. Uh, you, you
0: talk about it being about $1.40 a day per person. That's not very much. Uh, do we have an issue with needing to rethink SNAP in a way that it could provide more food and, and and even better food for the people who need it.
2: Right. So there have been some things, like you talked about earlier, about double-up food bucks that's mm-hmm. related to SNAP. Mm-hmm. So those SNAP dollars are matched as about 17 grocery stores in the city and all of the farmer's markets in the city, they uh, participate in a double-up food bucks. So that increases a family's uh, food dollars and for healthy food because mm-hmm. it's, it's um, redeemable on produce, Michigan produce, um, tremendously. However, instead of you're talking about increasing SNAP, we would love that. Yeah. But right now it's under threat to be cut. Right. So um, instead of right now, if the House version of the farm bill, and I don't know if you want to get into that, but when you say we, we're always talking to our neighbors about this because mm-hmm. when you say farm bill, you think it doesn't relate to me you're
0: thinking about farmers exactly you're thinking about crops and and things like that you're not thinking about the massive part of the department of agriculture that helps feed people 70 to 80
2: percent of the farm bill mm-hmm. is the, are those dollars that feed people mm-hmm. and so it has uh, it has really large impacts on detroit it could be devastating if um Many of the folks who are already struggling, because we know about 48 percent, I talked about 40 percent having SNAP benefits, but 48 percent of households in Detroit are food insecure, yeah, meaning yeah. they don't know from day to day where they're going to get their meals.
0: Right. Uh, you know, I always say that if you spend <clears throat> much time in neighborhoods in Detroit and get to know the people who live there, uh, and and I think you can pick almost any neighborhood in Detroit, you see how, how prevalent that is, and you see how food insecurity uh, sort of uh, dominates people's lives and decision-making. Exactly. And, and, and you also, I think, uh, can see very easily how it takes on sort of different iterations for, for different families. There are some people who struggle constantly to provide Food uh, or enough food uh, for their families, but then there are people who are sort of in and out of exactly food insecurity, right? I, I I don't have enough this much this month because uh, something happened and I had to spend money on on something else. But next month maybe I'm I'm, exactly. I'm good, and that it seems to complicate the the solutions maybe.
2: And and the surprising thing that most people don't know. Or the general public is that most people who use SNAP are actually working, yeah, right. more than one job in many cases. Mm-hmm. So they're working and they're putting in a lot of hours, but they're just still not able to meet meet those food needs. Um, and then the other folks are either children, are elderly, or disabled. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. Um, what are some of the things that that uh, that you see that we could do? uh, very quickly, very easily to make this better. I mean, there aren't, there aren't overall solutions to these problems that I think are, are easily enacted, but I always feel like there are, there are, you know, low hanging options that, that maybe we don't even think of.
2: Right. Um, I think one of the things is just even recognizing the power of food. Mm -hmm. So food is not only, uh, just about, you know, filling our stomachs, but it's a health issue. It's an economic driver. Um, when we talk about the social determinants of health or those things outside of healthcare that impact our health, Mm -hmm. it impacts two of those. It impacts the built environment, our environment around us, and it also impacts economics. So, um, you know, and often we don't think about that. So one of the things um, that uh, a group of us got together um, headed by the food and fitness collaborative in Detroit was looking at the economics in Detroit So even just spending more of your dollars in Detroit. So uh, the food industry is the third largest employer in the city. Mm -hmm. And if we just spent three out of 10 of our dollars more in the city, then it could go up to the second-largest wow. employer. Wow. So just thinking, being cognizant about where you spend your dollars. And one of the things you talked about, farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. When you go to farmer's markets, those dollars circulate in the community. They stay. They yeah. stay. So usually you're, you're buying from your neighbors or you're buying from a local farmer or a small farmer. Um, uh, the Keep Growing Detroit, which is another one of our organizations that we work closely with, um, they're members that do the Grown in Detroit they are able to subsidize their income with, for at the tune of about $900 a year mm-hmm. by just growing produce and selling it to their neighbors. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Winona Bynum. She is the executive director of the Detroit Food Policy Council. We're talking about food policy, food access here in the city of Detroit. Uh, we're talking about it as part of our Detroit Today, Summer Book Club, where we are talking about housing insecurity and the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond, Housing Insecurity, Food Insecurity, uh, they are related issues. They move together in many people's lives. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how much you spend on food in a week. How about in a day? Can you imagine trying to get by in a month with just $78 uh, to spend on food and lots of other things in the book Evicted? Uh, there is a man named Lamar who is left with just $78 after he pays his rent each month. Uh, do you spend more uh, on food than other things in your household? And how do you make sure that you have access to fresh food, not just processed food uh, for your family? Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313 313-577- 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Bernadette in Detroit. Bernadette, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Thank you, Stephen. Sure. I'm calling um, with uh, a perspective that sees the relationship between religious groups that oppose reproductive rights and what those children, um, those babies, have to eat. Poor people eat poor quality food. If you buy your food from a gas station, it's not high quality. Mm-hmm. You asked uh, earlier how much I spend on food, and um, I go to places like Warren, the Warren Corridor, that has access to a lot of fresh produce at reasonable um, costs. Um, there's one other thing that I wanted to say, mm-hmm. and that is uh, how much do those meal kits cost? Hmm. You see them advertised a lot on TV. That will give you some estimate of what well-to-do people can afford in terms of um, high-quality, nutritious food as opposed to corn and wheat and highly processed uh, foods that are high in fat, sugar, and salt.
0: Yeah, Bernadette, uh, absolutely appreciate the call. And uh, the comments is a lot to unpack there. Uh, Winona, I'll give you a a crack at uh, answering the questions that Bernadette is asking.
2: Well, I I think the main thing is, um, so first of all, access to fresh food. Right, right. And the the first uh, thing I would say is those meal kits cost a lot more than a dollar forty a day. Yes, they do. But um, access—that's where the farmers' markets really come into play, and that's where I really want—can't stress enough about people being. Concerned about policy issues Mm -hmm. in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that supports those farmers markets um, in the city of Detroit is the farmers uh, farm bill. Uh Um, So being cognizant and making sure the dollars are spent. uh, Dan talked earlier about why corn and produce and uh, processed food is cheaper. It's because it's subsidized, not because it's cheaper to grow, but because it's subsidized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So making sure that dollars are spent where we really want them to be and where they impact health and where they can support um, our neighbors, um, that's important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, back to this question of uh, food insecurity and housing insecurity sort of being joined at the, at the hip, not just in our community but put around the country. I, I wonder if you think that uh, some of the solutions that we try to affect for each one ought to be thought of in, in aggregate. In other words, are there things we need to think about in terms of both housing and food mm-hmm. that would make it easier for people to obtain and keep both?
2: Right. So when you think about that, um, one of the things I think about is if you don't have a home, mm-hmm. how hard it would be to feed yourself.
0: To feed yourself. Sure. Right.
2: Because th- that's one of the things that we see in food insecurity. If you don't have a kitchen, if you don't have appliances, e- even something as small as not having a can opener mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can really um, impact people being able to feed themselves. So, yeah, we need to look at those things together. Um and I want to emphasize also the importance of local policy. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that has allowed those uh, Detroiters to subsidize their income by about $900 a year is the passing of a local, um, local um, uh, ordinance, agriculture ordinance that passed in 2013. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so just looking at how we can shape it, like you said, looking at it in a systems way, and that is one of the things that we do at the Food Policy Council, we look at not just one issue. But we look at how they play together, how the environment works with food, how water works with food, how housing works with food, so that we can stop working in silos and work together and look at how they're really linked.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's take one quick call here before we run out of time. Eric in Ann Arbor, I've got about a minute, but I wanted to get you in here. Go ahead.
3: Okay, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, um, I I was wondering one thing. I know that you're talking about buying food, fresh food, but I'm curious about if there's any support for growing food. Hmm. There's some real inexpensive and simple ways and, and lazy ways, quite frankly, to grow food very organically. Hmm. Uh, I wonder if you would have any comments about that. Yeah, Eric, I really appreciate the call and the question. We didn't get a chance to talk about that, but that's going on a lot here mm-hmm. in the city of Detroit, the sort yeah. of grow local, feed local exactly.
2: movement. More than 400 uh, community gardens and farms, um, and that doesn't even talk about all the backyard gardens. So, yeah, people in Detroit... Uh, we are known for our urban agriculture and mm-hmm. the support of it. Um, again, I want to say, going back to policy, and you'll hear me saying that a lot, mm-hmm. um, that's where those support of the dollars. So we have seen dollars to support it. in our current farm bill, September 30th of this year, it expires. And so right now, there's the House and the Senate bill com- competing, and um, the House bill is cutting out a lot of those Coming dollars. Cutting out of that. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Winona Winona Bynum, Executive Director of the Detroit Food Policy Council. Thank you very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. And remember, our next Detroit Book Club live event is Monday, July 30th at the Dorothy Bush Branch Library in Warren from 630 to 8 p.m. We're going to talk about the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond. And we're also going to talk about housing insecurity as it relates to Warren, where court-ordered evictions rank in the top 10 in the nation. Uh, So you're going to want to be sure to be there for that if you can. If not, go to WDET.org, learn about the other events uh, and the other programming we have scheduled for the book club. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.